Hi, everybody. You're listening to the New Dayton Podcast. I'm your host, Chip James, and I'm setting out to shine a light on some of the amazing things happening in and around our great city. On the podcast, you'll hear from exciting people who see Dayton as a city of opportunity and are taking an active role in creating a new Dayton where small businesses and individuals can thrive. Thanks so much for joining me. Let's get to today's episode. We have spent several weeks uh, interviewing businesses that excite us, businesses that we think you would love to hear from, hear origination stories, get to know the people behind the scenes, and it's been a ton of fun, absolutely. But for some upcoming podcasts, we really wanted to sit down with individuals, um, some inspiring, uh, influential, exciting people who are great examples of sort of taking Dayton to this new, uh, to its new heights, taking Dayton into this new generation or this new time period where uh, Dayton has to sort of carve out its place. And uh, people who are choosing to do life here, people who choose to live, work, and play in the Dayton area. So for this interview, Katie Matthews and I drove downtown, grabbed a coffee in St. Anne's, and headed to, of all places, the Montgomery County Common Pleas Court. Yikes. As the son of an attorney, I knew at an early age that I was not a talented debater, nor did I have the stomach for courtrooms. So I had an uneasy feeling as soon as we passed through the metal detector. Despite the nerves, I knew I had to push through it because on this day, I was going to be meeting and doing a podcast interview with someone that I think is a real live superhero. When we met our superhero on the third floor, the Honorable Judge E. Gerald Parker Jr., all of the nerves went away. Gerald, known by those really close to him as GP, has a smile that lights up the room and a personality that instantly puts you at ease. This past November, Gerald ran for and was elected to the Montgomery County Common Pleas Court Bench General Division. Montgomery County is the fifth largest county in Ohio. So it's quite a win for a man not yet 40 years old, but especially impressive considering that Gerald is the first African-American male judge ever elected to our county's Common Pleas Court General Division. Truly, Gerald Parker's passion for finding better ways to rehabilitate and help those that are going through the toughest times in their lives is encouraging and inspiring. GP, thank you for your commitment to the community and for making this version of Dayton a special place to call home. Now, let's get to the interview. All right, so today I'm so happy and excited to be uh, in court. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't we start that over again? For the first time, uh, sitting with E. Gerald Parker Jr., uh, the honorary. How are you doing It's honorable. The honorable. You can tell I've never been to court before. (laughs) It's also the first time I've been in chambers, so a lot of firsts today, but uh, honestly, thank you so much for taking the time. Hey, thank you. Um, Chambers is just a silly word for office. I don't know where that derived from, but yeah, uh, welcome to my office. All right, so let me ask you about some of the stuff. I want to set the tone for where we are in the chambers in this office. We are in a, um, you know, 20 by 15 room with no windows. We've got a door 
into the courtroom, very intimidating. Right. Uh, we got some cameras, some computer screens. But as soon as I walked in, my eyes were drawn to a historic photo with one Cassius Clay. All right. Later to become Muhammad Ali. Oh, absolutely. As, as jocks of the 90s. I'm sure we both uh, looked up to him in many ways. So tell me about that photo. Um, I grew up, uh, my dad loved Muhammad Ali. And uh, <clears throat> I just um, admire that man um, for setting the stage of the athletes today. Um, for better or for worse, for good and the bad, but he really is the one that set the tone uh, for making sports um, entertainment. Uh, and some people love it, some people hate it, but uh, he's an icon and he was amazing, the greatest at what he did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah he, he really paved the way, among with, along with some other people like Bill Russell, but paved the right. way for this whole more than an athlete thing. Right, he did, and, and uh, there's, you know, with the social conscious going on during his time period, and folks can disagree or agree as to his stances on certain things, but um, for him to be more than just an athlete uh, was something that I wanted to be, mm -hmm. um, and I just did not want to be pigeonholed as many, especially many African-American males can get pigeonholed. I wanted to say, wait a minute, there's more to me than just uh, being an athlete. And when I speak to many students uh, around the uh, Dayton area, the same message, being more than an athlete, it's okay to want to play sports, but how about that plan B and that plan C? And mm -hmm. like you just said, you had that plan B as well. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be a sports center anchor as well. Mm -hmm. You did? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, when, when uh, uh, Stuart Scott and right. those guys came right. on ESPN, I remember when I first found uh, sports center. I used to watch like cartoons in the morning. Yeah. And all of a sudden I said, let me just flip through while I was waiting on the school bus. I think I was in like fifth grade. Same. Flip through and these guys are on there just talking about sports and doing, that was when the highlights, highlights. every and hour. Funny. It was the same hour yeah. over and over, same highlights of hour, and I, same highlights every hour and I loved it. I did, I've been watching sports center every morning yep. since. I got up earlier than I needed to so I could see the start of the show. <laughs> right. And uh, we already got up early for, for school and high school, but I got up earlier so I could see the start. And then I started watching games on mute <laughs> and recording my own broadcast. Yeah. So I have these tapes somewhere of me just really poorly doing audio of the game. Yeah. Those guys definitely influenced me. I think it's funny, though. Remember that? It was only top 10 once a week. It was like top 10 mm -hmm. Um, um, like Friday's highlights. top 10s. Yeah, it was yeah. like highlights. Yeah. It was like on a Monday, and that's all you got. Now there's like highlights every like Every night on Instagram, <laughs> there's a top 10. It's amazing. Yeah, it's really changed. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, so we've also got a man in the arena poster. I can't think of a more fitting uh, quote from Theodore Roosevelt to ha have on the wall uh, of a person in, in your shoes. I love how it's centered on the wall, how it's a focal point. Talk about that just briefly. Yeah, very briefly. Um, I love competition. I've always loved competition. And those who work hard to be able to compete, no matter what it is. I mean, I'm somewhat biased when it comes to football, baseball, basketball, track, things like that. But I just love not just the competition, um, but what people went through in order to be ready and be prepared for it. And that's kind of driven me throughout my uh, career. Mm -hmm. And one last thing, the picture behind you. Yep. Remind me what that is, the, the piece of art with a man reaching down to grab the hand of what we presume to be another man. Yeah, artist Gilbert Young uh, painted this painting called He Ain't Heavy, and it's basically a very, very 
um, important piece of work that I've taken with me. I remember, remember it being in my, my, house, my parents' house growing up. And it's basically a man um, who has made it over a wall, and he's reaching down to lift uh, another man, or female, you could you know, mm-hmm, also mm-hmm. say. But he's reaching down, and when he's reaching down, there's another um, arm reaching up. And uh, that is kind of what I have tried to live by, um, again, throughout my life, is once you make it, there, wherever it is, you have a duty and obligation to reach down and help somebody as well. Yeah, to know that I live in Montgomery County, and Montgomery County has a uh, judge named Gerald Parker who has these things on his chamber's <laughs> walls makes me feel better right. about where I live. So cool. So happy to see this and be able to sit here with you today. Appreciate it. So from Lakota West, we went to Georgetown College. We played football, mm-hmm. and, and we had an inkling for law. Right. And where did we go from there? Yeah, after <clears throat> after Georgetown um, took the LSAT, and um, it was either I guess working out. Arena League football was big at the time, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, that was not the move for me. I think uh, didn't need the, any more head injuries than I probably had. Right. Uh, but went to law school at Northern Kentucky University. Okay. And uh, studied there it was three years. Took the bar exam, uh, and then after that was given an offer to work for uh, the Montgomery County Prosecutor's Office here. Okay. And I always wanted to be in trial, in court. I didn't want to be an attorney that just sat behind a desk and did paperwork. Mm-hmm. And no disrespect to those attorneys, because many of them do, and that's a large part of many lawyers around here. But I wanted to be in the courtroom. and Competing. Com- and competing, mm-hmm. exactly. I wanted to be the man in the courtroom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. yeah. And, what, and, and your wife, Jana, yes. is an attorney. That is correct. And when did you meet, how did you meet her? Were you going up against each other on a case? <laughs> that would be amazing. I met Jana. She had already been at the Montgomery County Prosecutor's Office when I got there. Uh, so when I got there, she was there. Uh, and we didn't like start dating immediately. I was there for a few years. Uh, and then timing uh, worked. And, you know... Uh, she just wouldn't leave me alone. She <laughs> saw me from across. No, no, she's just uh-huh. a beautiful she woman. She pursued you. <laughs> right. Um, and it's funny how we did kind of meet. Uh, I was actually in Big Brothers Big Sisters, and I had a little brother that I was going to take to the zoo, Cincinnati Zoo that day. He was about 13. Um, he went to Dayton Public School, and I told that's she asked me, well, you know, just talking, what are you going to be doing? And she's like, she actually invited herself. She'll even admit that. Okay. She invited herself and said, hey, can I go with you? And I was like, all right. So she went with us, and we went to the zoo, had a great time. Um, for whatever reason, she gives me crap about this, but I didn't. We didn't eat, and she was really hungry, and I didn't feed her. <laughs> I didn't know why. I don't know what the heck that's about. But anyway, so from there on, we just built a relationship. She is now in Miami County, the next county up, which yeah. is like Troy, Tip City, Pickle, yep. uh, Sydney, all that. She's now a, a prosecuting attorney in uh, Miami County. She truly is the brains of the operation. Wow. She's the smartest woman I've ever met. Smartest woman I know. That's so cool. That's great. Okay, so. You, you go through college, you go through law school, you become an attorney. Um, take me through from being a prosecuting attorney All right. to when did you get the idea um, that maybe you would make a run at judge? Yeah, so <clears throat> basically there's two types of law, criminal and civil. And I started off doing primarily criminal, being a Montgomery County prosecutor for almost five years and trying all your felony cases. Uh, and then I th- said, well, I, th- I think I need to learn some civil work, too. So let me ask you this. So when the county, mm-hmm. it, it's county versus the person being accused of the felony. It's the state. The actually. state. Okay. Right, so yeah. you're representing the, the state, state. of Ohio. At correct. that point. That's, that's correct. Uh, and then the, the, uh, the 
the defendant, mm -hmm. the potential criminal, Correct. the accused. The alleged, yep. The alleged, thank you. Yeah. Uh, they have their own representation. Correct. That is, you're basically the state's representation. That is correct. That For is how many correct. years did you do that? Uh, almost five. Okay. <clears throat> almost five years. And then having tried, and when I say try going to court and uh, trying every felony level from your felony ones, which are your, your murders, your rapes, your high-level high felonies, to your lower lesser degree felonies, which are your felony fours and fives, which are primarily nonviolent offenses, drug offenses. After that, I said, okay, um, I think I've done what I can do here, and I got the opportunity to do civil work, which is basically money, making mm -hmm. people whole again. If, mm -hmm. uh, basically, if, if it's injuries uh, or business transactions, whatever, but primarily uh, civil, personal injury, workers' compensation. And I did that for five years. And I thought that was important because I'm one who wants, who loves information. So I wanted to be able to have tried criminal cases, got the opportunity to try civil cases in this courtroom as well, mm -hmm. and other, there's 11 judges, so a lot, I knew all the judges from my um, um, career. Your time as an attorney. Yeah. yeah. And then um, was chosen and appointed by a judge, uh, Capizzi and Judge Kuntz, who are juvenile court judges, uh, to be a juvenile magistrate. Long story short, Magistrate is just a baby judge. <laughs> you have two judges in, in juvenile court. I like these terms. I yeah. can understand. Yeah. Think about it. You have, two judges can't handle all of the juvenile delinquent cases, all the amount of custody matters mm -hmm. that go on with unwed parents. Mm -hmm. Two judges can't handle that. So mm -hmm. they appoint, uh, I think there's 10 magistrates. I was one of the 10 that did the delinquency uh, portion. So it's like it's a baby judge. Mm -hmm. uh, you're appointed by the judge. You're not elected. And then an opening, an opportunity uh, to run for common pleas court where I did those two five-year stints as a civil attorney and, pro and prosecutor. Mm -hmm. I said, well, I'd been in these courts before. I knew a lot of the players there. I knew uh, a lot of the, the judges there. And the individual that was appointed there, I wanted to make them earn it. And that's when I decided to and was given the opportunity to run for it. Cool. And so in November of 2018, we have a vote. And in January of 2019, you are officially sworn in yep. in Montgomery County, Correct. the state of Ohio's fifth largest county. <laughs> and you are sworn in in January of 2019 as what? What's the title? Um, Common Pleas Court uh, Judge, so General Division. So I was sworn in as judge of Montgomery County Common Pleas Court General Division. Um, <clears throat> general, that, oh, sorry. Go ahead, and that means what? Yeah, General Division is basically what you first see on television mm -hmm. when it comes to uh, the high-level uh, criminal cases, your all felony cases. So Scary again, stuff. I hear all felony cases, mm -hmm. uh, the stuff I tried as a prosecutor, and I hear all the high-dollar civil uh, cases as well. Right so, here on the other side of that door. That is correct. So when they say... Uh, all rise. <laughs> you come into the courtroom from this chamber or this right. office, right. and you go in there, and your mentality is what? Mm -hmm. to, to me, I said this earlier uh, off mic, but to someone who's never been in a courtroom, right. it's, it's at least kind of intimidating. I mean, my dad was an attorney, so I, I was been around mm -hmm. law and the right. legal system, but even stepping in there today, it's like it's big boy, big girl stuff. It is. It is. It can be. So what's your mentality when you walk through that door and there's a case in front of you that you know is a big deal? Does it feel like you're you're stepping out onto the football field, only it's way more important? <laughs> it's funny. Um, you know, as a judge, the, you know, the moniker or the people that think of a judge as like gavel, uh, send a prison, mm -hmm. 
stern face the gown. or even those white haired wiggly mm-hmm. hair curly haired things from english i don't wear one of those sure thank uh, goodness <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is what people think of um but the judicial system and reform is changing and it's we're almost we're glorified social workers mm-hmm. you know if you think about it we are trying to uh keep uh, a victim from being harmed again we're trying to help an addict uh, change the trajectory in their life. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're trying to uh, see if someone who's been harmed at work or someone who's been harmed in a very, very bad accident that they get their case and that they that they get to tell their case to a group of jurors and say, hey, this is what happened to me. Uh, and is there only way, and the only way that they can likely be made whole is through, uh, through money. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's your civil cases. Uh, but most people, when they think of judge, they think about the criminal stuff because that's pretty much 90% of the the work that's done but your larger cases the majority of my caseload is actually civil civil mm-hmm. cases the so majority the majority of them we have a, we have, have been a highly litigious uh society um but like to answer your question when i walk out there you know i i wouldn't say i'm competing against anyone except myself mm-hmm. um I'm, I'm competing to be the best judge i can be and hoping that i can make the right decisions mm-hmm. for each individual every case is different i do not lump them together i don't care if they have the same charge if they're from the same area um, sure. you wouldn't like it if you came in on the same drug charge uh, as uh, Katie sitting here on the same drug charge, should I just lump you all together? You guys have past experiences that are different, so why would I do that? And that's very, very important. That's why I love people, care about people, and want to get to, and get a lot of information about people as Mm -hmm. to how they got to where they are today. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. You know, and and as as a podcast that's trying to shine a light on the good, on the positive that's taking place, not only in our city in Dayton, but just in the Dayton region. Uh, I'm curious from your perspective, um, what are you seeing? I mean, obviously you're seeing some pretty tough stuff from your chair and making some tough decisions. But from where you sit, can you feel the positive, um, the renaissance, the resurgence of our Dayton of the town and of the region? What do you see there? Yeah, there's so much promise. And I say that because I um, spend a lot of time uh, and see a lot of folks such as yourself who are willing to talk about the good that's going on in mm-hmm. Montgomery County and good that's going on in Dayton, Ohio. I'm with a lot of young uh, progressive uh, individuals who are um, learning from our past, learning from their parents and grandparents and saying, wow, that that was done in a completely you know, uh, irresponsible way. Mm -hmm. And now today we're finding better ways to treat people uh, as humans and to change the trajectory in their lives. And they're they're around here, they are, um, I associate with them all the time, you're one of them. And it's just people here do care, Um, but we have a lot of work to do uh, in terms of um, providing the proper resources and being, you know, um, just how you say having different types of ideas mm-hmm. and um, stepping outside of the box basically not doing things the way we've always done them mm-hmm. taking a look at the past and saying you know what can we pull from that that was good or wise but also what should we change right. what didn't make sense yeah there's just a new way of addressing modern day issues mm-hmm. yeah I've heard you speak about the perception of, uh, of the alleged of mm-hmm. someone who may or may not have committed a crime who is now in your courtroom mm-hmm. and is faced with a decision 
of potentially spending time in prison. And I've heard you talk about it's not really the way that we and the public perceive it to be where it's hear the case and send them to jail. Right. There's actually other outcomes that can be more more healthy for that individual and for Dayton as a whole. Right. Talk about that. It's very, very important for people to know that. And just so you know, you remember uh, the courts, uh, these are your tax dollars. So don't think that you can't come down here and see it for yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, don't get the misinformation from uh, other entities. Like come down and see it. Come into my courtroom and sit down and watch. My courtroom is open as mm -hmm. it should be. So a lot of people are like, I can't go down there. No, come down here. Mm -hmm. um, I've said it before and all the other ju judges uh, my colleagues will say the same thing. You know, it sounds weird, but you have to work really, really, really hard uh, to be sent to prison. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you know, you're violent offenders, you're folks that do not need to be walking the streets, the people that um, are harmful to the public and the public safety, those folks are likely to be going and sentenced to prison. Mm -hmm. But majority of the cases we have are nonviolent offenses. Mm -hmm. Substance abuse and drugs and mental health is, is an issue. And instead of just saying, uh, you have a mental health issue and you have and you have a substance abuse, abuse issue and we're just going to lock you up to get you off the streets, which is what we used to do not too long ago. Okay. We're saying that's not the move. We have the Monday Correctional Facility, which is a six-month um, treatment facility. Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, we have a, a stop program for mental health and behavioral uh, conditions as well. Mm -hmm. um, and there's so many um, uh, behavioral treatment clinics for individuals that we try to give these uh, individuals that opportunity first. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that's not something that we used to do uh, when, when, the, when drugs really became an issue um, in our community. Yeah, I mean, community. realistically, if you send someone to jail, it, it's not helping them. No. It, like, say, it's a, it's a mental health or a drug issue. In Sending 90, them yeah. somewhere they can get help. Right. Honestly, seems to make more sense. It does. And 90, you gotta remember, too, 90% of the people that do get sent to jail or prison, guess what? They're going to get out at some point in time. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, it's important that, and one of the, my biggest pushes is hopeful to be uh, reentry and getting people reacclimated to the community. Mm -hmm. Something I did as a juvenile court magistrate, just making sure that those juveniles, when they got back home or reunified with their families, uh, were able to um, be, get back into the community in a normal way, uh, in a way that helps them going forward. Uh, so we that is something that... Um, our generation is taking another look at, and uh, it's important for people to know that we have a lot of um, ways in which we can help others uh, in lieu of sending to prison. It's good to know that Dayton has uh, places, um, Dayton has programs in place that can sort of help uh, alleviate what is this perception that there could be a drug problem, mm -hmm. Or, or even if it's not a drug problem, but the threat of a drug problem in the Dayton region, right. um, you're seeing that we're trying to do things to help. Yeah, and by no means is it like we've got, the, got it figured out because there are still issues within those departments that we still have to do better. Um, we have treatment facilities, um, but I think what's going to happen is our generation and beyond and behind us are going to have to become more creative and mm -hmm. uh, just in thinking outside of the box because um, what we have been doing has been helping, but it's definitely not where we need to be. And I'm hopeful that I can be a part of that movement. Yeah, and I know that you want to finish up with a couple of quick things, but one with the, the youth of Dayton. I know that you're involved and in, in heavily involved even outside of work with 
um, pouring into the lives of Dayton youth. Uh, what do you see from that generation that should give people hope when they look at Dayton and trying to see Dayton in more of this positive light, shining a light on the good in Dayton? What about the youth? Yeah, there's so many promising uh, youth, juveniles out there that really just need to be to have access to seeing more. Mm -hmm. We can't expect um, our youth uh, to be better if they don't see better. And I wanted to be able to provide them with such opportunities. You can say what you want about Dayton, uh, but all these kids coming up through the system really need is exposure mm -hmm. and constant exposure. The exposure that you and I had growing to better up programs. to better programs, to outside thinking. I mm -hmm. mean, again, growing up African-American male, it's like, and even the culture today, it's, it's LeBron James. Uh, it's being, you know, it's, you know, uh, being a running back in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Or Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, exactly. Or Kendrick Lamar. Mm -hmm. And and I love all those things. Mm -hmm. But um, we already have those things. I think it was LeBron James who said, don't be, don't try and be the next LeBron James. We already, got, a, we already, we already have, that. have that. Yeah. Be an engineer. Like, right. be a scientist. But be a teacher. Be a teacher. Mm -hmm. um, Fill the gaps. Fill that gap. But the only way that that's going to happen is if those those youth are exposed to seeing those in yeah. the first place. I think that exposure word, I've, I actually have never thought of it that way. I love that, that word exposure. It's opening eyes mm -hmm. to uh, different ways of doing things and different programs. How could someone that listens to this or even me, mm -hmm. how can someone get involved in that? Yeah, but there's plenty of organizations uh, out here. I'm on the board of Building Bridges. Um, they do work as well when it comes to many different events for juveniles through juvenile court. I'll be honest, just go to juvenile court and say, mm -hmm. hey, um, um, I think juvenile court has uh, natural helpers, which is basically uh, big brothers, big sisters for juveniles within juvenile court. Okay. Um, I, I really don't like to make it more complicated than it is. I think every one of us knows of somebody mm -hmm. whose child is struggling, who knows that there is a youth whose whose household may not be the most ideal, mm -hmm. and um, just reach out, and just, just reaching take that out. first step. Yeah, there's mm -hmm. no need to build this huge program for mm -hmm. these types of youth. Find that one that you say, hey, he or she um, has this glow about them and all they need is for you to pull it out. Mm -hmm. That's great. We're kind of wrapped up here, but I want to ask you about being elected and being the first African-American male judge ever elected mm -hmm. in the Montgomery County Common Pleas Court General division. There you go. <laughs> and I know what that <clears throat> means to me. It, it makes me smile. And, uh, it, you know, it's this, this idea of new Dayton. It's a new era, right, in this, in this court. What does it mean to you? Well, it's great, but it's also sad at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, it's 2019, so I would have hoped and would have liked this to have happened a long time ago, uh, particularly when we know that a large percentage of African-American men come in and out of the court system. Mm -hmm. So for us to have a first African-American male in 2019 um, is both, uh, I'm just thankful to be a part of history, but also uh, somewhat discouraged and want to be able to help uh, the next uh, hopefully Gerald Parker to come mm -hmm. through these, these courts. Um, but, um, you know, I take it as uh, it's an honor, mm -hmm. you know, to, to be here. And But a lot of people helped me get here along the way mm -hmm. uh, from every 
race, ethnicity, um, sexual orientation. It's about people. Mm -hmm. And it is about everyone coming together for one common goal. And you're right. We are going to do things differently in this court um, um, in the future because we have to. Mm -hmm. Because we know that what what has been doing hasn't necessarily worked right. all the way. So we're going to be thinking outside of the box. Um, I'm only in, it's only been about six months here. So <laughs> and how long a, is your term? It's a six-year term. Six-year term. So uh, a little bit of some time to develop some ideas and work with people in the community, which is what I'm working on establishing some some pretty cool ways that we can think outside the box. The court system is not going to look the same uh, in the next 10, 15, 20 years. It's mm -hmm. just not. It can't. How did, you, how did your upbringing prepare you for this? And I'm, it's the second part of that question. My mom is really proud of me for tying my shoes. You know, I mean, moms are proud of their kids mm -hmm. for making a bowl of cereal. Yep. Literally. Yep. So for you, I mean, I can't even imagine how proud your mom must be. <laughs> like, so talk about your upbringing, yeah. preparing you, and then present day. Like, does your mom just annoy all of her friends? <laughs> like, she has to just I brag. Am, I am a mama's boy oh, through and cool. through. I'm, an only, she, I'm her only child. Shout out to Dolores, a.k.a. Dee Dee Parker, okay. which is my, my, my daughter. Our daughters <clears throat> call her. But, yeah, she <clears throat> is my just biggest supporter. And... Um, she, I, I, she's very, you know, growing up, my, my, my mother and my father were very, very strict. And uh, when I say strict, it was I was kind of told, hey, you have a couple jobs to do. Be a good person, go to school, do well, treat people the right way. Um, and my mother's school teacher, mm. my father was a pharmacist. Um, and being young African-American male in a predominantly white community and having your mother uh teacher, father of pharmacist, that was not normal mm -hmm. because many of my friends were African-American, uh, were in other communities, other areas, uh, and we were in Lakota West. And, but having, so I, I grew up pretty much like the Huxtables, okay. which is one of the, you know, and I used that reference once to some high schoolers. They had no idea who wow. I was talking about. That's how old we are. Wow, just so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that was, I grew up and I've always said, I grew up a young African-American man who was privileged for no reason of my own right was given for whatever reason to yep. parents who worked two parents who cared about me and loved me so i i have no i have an obligation and a duty uh to help those who did not give that who did not get that opportunity mm -hmm. but on the flip side there are folks who grew up underprivileged had difficulties growing up uh who can also help those who are underprivileged because they went through the same thing absolutely uh so by no reason of my own did, did i grow up that grow up in that uh in that way so i had to to Take advantage of the opportunity and what God blessed me with, which was a, which was loving parents and a mother who constantly stayed on my butt and with when it came to school, mm -hmm. and primarily treating people uh, with respect and mm -hmm. caring about people. Um, growing up in the African American church, which means you went to church like every Sunday from like eight to one. Wow! And that was just on Sundays. Right. So you've got like Wednesday night, you've got Saturday. It was like Friday. I mean, constantly grew up in the church, but the African American church is such a staple. And has always been a staple in the community, especially when it comes to social change. And mm -hmm. my mom would make me, and I say make, make me go to feed the hungry on Saturdays at our church. And we would cool. go there, we put bags together. And I'll be honest, at the time, I couldn't stand it. I could not. But mm -hmm. then as you grow up, you know why she had you do that. Mm -hmm. Because at an early age, I realized that there were people struggling. And my parents wanted me to know that, um, you know, 
you, for whatever reason, you were given uh, two loving parents and a family that cares about you, and mm -hmm. you did not deserve any of it, so you have a duty to help others. And my mom, fulfilling what my mom wanted me to be, which is just a good person and be successful, uh, and not perfect, but somebody who wants to help others, uh, my mom is just glowing right now. That's so great. She's my rock. Dee Dee. Dee All right, shout out to Dee Dee. Shout out to Dee Dee. It's amazing. It's inspiring, and it is... Uh, why I wanted to come and invade your chambers today. So thank <laughs> you so much for being a part of this new Dayton uh, movement and uh, bringing so much integrity to your role and for inspiring and not just inspiring. Anybody can inspire, mm -hmm. but actually taking steps towards um, towards molding and shaping the next generation. Well, I've known you for, for some time now, and I'm just thankful that our paths have continued to cross uh, because I remember meeting at a gym that we used to go to yeah. uh, years ago. Oh, yeah. There's always something special about you, and the fact that you were leading the charge uh, and, and letting folks know that there are people out here um, who are doing great things for this city, and we need to make sure that everyone knows about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is just one of the, the new progressive group of young folks that are going to be out here to make sure we shed a great light on this city. That's awesome. Tremendous. Thanks, Thank you, man. man. All right. See ya. Thank you so much for checking out today's episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed our conversation, share it with your friends. Uh, take a screenshot on your phone, post it on Instagram to your story or to your feed, post a shot on Facebook. Please help us spread the word about New Dayton. You can also subscribe to the podcast. You can leave us a review. And I want to give a special thank you to Katie Matthews for producing and editing the podcast. And a thank you and a shout out to John Waldron, who created all of the music for the podcast. Also, last thing, if you have a guest recommendation, please connect with me on Instagram, chip underscore James, or email me at chipjames at gmail.com. Oh, and one last, last thing, check out the website, choosingdayton.com forward slash new Dayton. Thanks again.